Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Rolling along, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Guest on the Goodyear Hotline. A reminder, we're here two hours every single day. And then the show is a podcast. It's called Hashtag Greeny. They take each hour, make it its own individual one-hour podcast. Hashtag Greeny. You can listen to it anywhere you get your podcasts. Jam-packed today. And, and in just a moment, I'm going to tell you. Do you remember where you were on this day in 1990? Brandon, remember where you were on this day in 1990? I do. And you will, too. And I'll explain to you in just a moment why that is. But I want to just recap what we just did here for those of you just joining us. I asked the question of the day, which is, NFL player movement, all these players moving around, taking control of their situation. It's being described as the NBAization of the NFL. I asked the question, is it good or bad for the fans? And we got a bunch of really good calls. I appreciate everyone who called in on it. But most of the answers we got were, well, it's really good for the players or it's really good for the owners. I get that. Here's my question. Is it good or bad for the fans? And I will explain that the only way I can. Okay, I don't know how old you are as we are having this conversation, but you know how old I am. I'm 53. So I will tell you a story about my father. My father is the person from whom I inherited my insane rooting fandom, passion for sports. And there was a time, my father was a New York Knicks season ticket holder. And there was a time, you'll remember it, in the early 90s when there was all this talk about Michael Jordan possibly leaving Chicago. And the New York papers put like these big pictures in the paper of Jordan like superimposed into a Knicks uniform. And my father calls me. I'm covering the Bulls in Chicago at the time. My father calls me from New York. He says, Michael, if the Knicks get Michael Jordan, I'm giving up my tickets and I'm never going to another game again. Now, that may sound insane. Michael Jordan was at his best and he's one of the, he, was, he was the greatest player of all time. But my dad would never have rooted for a team with him on it. That was the arch rival. They, they, the, the Bulls and the Knicks had incredible rivalry going then. And my dad would have been disgusted with them getting him. Now, fast forward. I'm me. You know me. I've said this before. Tom Brady became available last year. I would not have wanted the Jets to sign him. No way. I admire the hell out of Tom Brady. And I even, as I told you last week, kind of found myself rooting for him. But I didn't want him on my team. That's the rival. I'm, that's my whole basis of my fandom is to try and beat that guy. I don't believe in if you can't beat him, join him. I don't have any interest in that. So what I'm asking is, if all these guys start changing teams now, you lose that. All of a sudden, you st- you're not rooting for your guy anymore. You're not rooting for your, your laundry. Now, maybe that doesn't matter anymore. Maybe in 2021, that doesn't matter. Most people aren't my age. But that's what's happened in the NBA. I'm telling you right now, my 18-year-old son doesn't have a team. He roots for players. And is that what football is going to become? Now, it can. And football, as I said before, has fantasy and it has DraftKings and it has gambling. All those things remain fully intact. And obviously, the hot stove nature of the offseason is fascinating and fabulous and creates and and maintains enormous interest in the sport during the time of year when it's not being played. So all that is good. All I'm asking is, as a fan, if all these players are changing teams all the time, and like that's your quarterback, now all of a sudden, wait a minute, he's their quarterback, and that guy's my quarterback, but I was just rooting against him, is that going to impact the fans in an adverse way? Will it impact you in an adverse way? 
We'll take some more calls on that tomorrow because I think it really is a very interesting question. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Just going to sit back and have a little story time. Tell me a story. Well, story is very simply this. Do you remember where you were on this day in 1990? 31 years ago today? I'm looking at Brandon. You're old enough to remember it. Do you know what I'm about to say? It was the day that I was watching television and I heard Jim Lampley say the following words, and we don't have the rights to play it for you, so I will say it for you. Jim Lampley said, and I quote, Say it along with me, ladies and gentlemen, Buster Douglas, undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. 31 years ago today, the most stunning upset I can ever remember in anything. And in fact, as I was reminded of it by Bubba that today was the anniversary of that, I thought about this. If that had happened 80 years before, we might refer to surprising sports results or any surprising results as busters instead of upsets. Why is an upset an upset? Upset was a horse. A horse named Upset beat Man of War at Saratoga in 1919, the only race Man of War ever didn't win. And from that point forward, every surprising thing that happens, well beyond sports, is an upset, right? Political election. Someone wins not supposed to. It's an upset. Could have been called a buster. Buster Douglas was surprising enough and a big enough deal that we might have referred to the Jets winning Super Bowl three as the greatest buster in Super Bowl history today instead of the greatest upset. It's funny to think about. That's how that word came into the lexicon. Buster Douglas was that big a deal. So now I'm talking to you if you're not old enough to remember that day. It is hard to explain what Mike Tyson was then and what was forever lost after that. Not only was Mike Tyson never the same, but no one has been that. There has not been a fighter like Mike Tyson since Mike Tyson. And I hope that we will get one. And that's not to say he was the greatest fighter of all time. He certainly wasn't. And Floyd Mayweather historically is a greater fighter than Mike Tyson. But Floyd Mayweather in our culture is not what Mike Tyson was. Mike Tyson was as famous as any person in or out of sports. And Mike Tyson had an air of invincibility about him starting when he was a kid in the Catskills and he would walk into the ring. He would fight every other week And he would walk into the ring with a towel draped over him with a hole cut in the middle of it instead of a robe. And he would just annihilate people. And what he did to Michael Spinks in Atlantic City is something that if you watch that you'll never forget as long as you live. And that was the origination of the legendary phrase, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. I went to see Run DMC and the Beastie Boys at the Garden in the summer of, what year would that have been? I think it was the summer of 86 maybe. 85, 86, something like that. And Mike Tyson came out on the stage during the concert. And I will never forget the reaction. That was the champ. Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the planet. He had a stature that that the sport needs and needed and has basically had had throughout its history that it has really never recaptured. And so that was one of the most unforgettable days I've ever seen in sports. In all of my life as a sports fan, 31 years ago today, Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson in, in Tokyo. Tyson groping around on the, on, the, on, the, on the ring, on the floor, on the ring, trying to find his mouthpiece and putting it back in and it being sideways and all askew. 
You'll never forget it if you were there to see it. All right, on we go. As we continue, what if I told you right now, you're going to like this. What if I told you there was a top five quarterback who was available to any team and no one is talking about him? I will. Next, this is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, Greeny with you here reminding you the NBA's here on ESPN Radio. Tonight, John Wall, the Rockets, hosting Jimmy and the Heat, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 7 Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. Here's the best thing about this job. I just told a story about how today is the anniversary of Douglas knocking out Tyson, and I'm getting texts from friends telling me where they were. Pete McConville, coordinating producer, executive producer, get up, sends me a text where he was watching that fight. I remember where I was. Brandon, a stage manager here, remembers where he was watching that fight. You'll never forget it. If you watched that fight, if you watched Buster Douglas knock out Mike Tyson, you will definitely never forget it. 31 years ago today. Okay, next order of business. The Scoop. What if I told you there was a top five quarterback available and no one was talking about him? What if I told you that going back to the 2018 season, So three seasons in a row. I'm going to list for you the top five quarterbacks in the sport by QBR. The best and most meaningful metric to measure a quarterback's impact on winning. Number one in the league would be Patrick Mahomes. Number two in the league would be Drew Brees. Number three in the league would be Lamar Jackson. Number four in the league would be Russell Wilson. And number five would be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic is five. Deshaun Watson is six. Ryan Fitzpatrick, over the last three seasons, has a higher completion percentage than Tom Brady, averages more yards per pass than Russell Wilson, averages more yards per completion than Aaron Rodgers, and has a higher total QBR than Deshaun Watson. And no one even mentions his name. Ryan Fitzpatrick was a better quarterback this year in Miami than Tua was. They had to keep going to him every now and again until he got the coronavirus. If they'd stayed with him, they might have wound up in the playoffs. None of that is the point, because I totally get giving the ball to Tua. He's your future. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, who isn't as old as you think he is, is a lot better than you realize he is. And I know that we always think of him as being Fitz magic and then being Fitz tragic. And maybe he will always be that. Or maybe he won't. Maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick at some point will put together the kind of season of which he is clearly capable. Did it for the Jets a few years ago. He was pretty good. Better than pretty good. He's 38 years old. 
You could do a lot worse than having Ryan Fitzpatrick on your team next year. That's a player no one is talking about on this quarterback carousel. And what's going to wind up happening is he's going to wind up somewhere as a third or fourth or fifth consolation prize. And he's going to play better than half the other quarterbacks who change teams this offseason. You just watch. That's what Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to do. He's a top five QBR quarterback in the league in the last three years. And no one, no one is even thinking about him. That's one scoop. The scoop. The next involves Dak Prescott, and this is just a mess. Uh, we've done a ton on this on Get Up because you can't you can't look away. It's it's like driving past an accident. You kind of you're rubbernecking. Cowboys legends are now weighing in on Dak Prescott, and the heat just keeps getting turned up in Dallas, where the D in Big D stands for dumb. Some NFL teams have bad things happen and can't figure their way out of them. The Cowboys had a miracle befall them and have managed to screw it up beyond belief. They had a kid who was a fourth-round pick who no one thought could play in the NFL, got forced to start immediately as a rookie, and has been unbelievable from day one, off the charts, at every turn, has done everything you could possibly ask a young quarterback to do, on and off the field, through some complicated times of a variety of sorts. You know what I'm talking about. He's, he has done and said and been the right thing in every circumstance. And the leadership and ownership of the star, and by that I mean the Dallas Cowboys star, and in this case the leadership and ownership happen to be the same person, has somehow managed to play that into boxing himself into a corner so badly that the miracle has turned into an albatross. That is mismanagement 101. And if you don't think everybody sees it, listen to the quotes from Cowboys legends, Troy Aikman. I'd be really surprised if he's playing under the franchise tag again this year. My guess is if he is, that will be the last we see of Dak Prescott. I just can't imagine that he's going to feel really good giving an open negotiation to the Cowboys if he's played two years under the franchise tag. Danny White, who himself had a pretty good career in a Cowboys uniform, Said, quote, I think the Cowboys made a big mistake by not signing him sooner to a long-term deal. He's proven himself in my book. He checks all the boxes. He's a born leader. That's the number one thing. That's the one thing you can't really teach a quarterback is how to lead. The guys in the locker room follow him. This is unbelievable. It is a mess. And the unfortunate reality of it is they are probably best served now sign and trading him at this point and starting over. And the reason they won't is because they have deluded themselves into thinking they have a win-now team, despite the fact that they actually stink. So if you're trying to figure out why they haven't won anything in Dallas in 25 years, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out. They went out and hired last year and drafted last year and acted last year like they were on the verge of winning a Super Bowl, as though everything that had been wrong had been Jason Garrett's fault. And long before Dak's foot was facing in the wrong direction, this team stunk and was irreparably bad. And they've only gotten worse. And Dak's leverage has only gotten greater by how bad they were without him. And now they've boxed himself into a place where if they want him on their team for the next two seasons, he is going to cost $90 million against their cap. So that's not on the list of options. So you got one more year of Dak at 38 mil, and then you're going to let him walk? I think they need to sign and trade him right now or he's gone. So you're now going to, you've, you've boxed yourself into having to trade away something that people dream about. 
Drafting a quarterback in the fourth round and having him turn out to be a franchise player with all the character you could ever possibly ask for, the perfect face of your franchise. It's unimaginable to me that that's where they find themselves, but that's where they are. And so I don't know where it'll go from here. Coming up next, I have some unsolicited advice that could very well wind up making both of us some money, you and me. And you'll hear what it is right after this. My name is Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. What are we doing? Taylor's takes. What are we doing? This is the discussion that's being had. Taylor's takes. Oh, we're back for our second uh, ever episode of Taylor's takes. Taylor Twelman is one of the great soccer players our nation has ever produced. He is one of the hosts of the new and revamped Sports Nation that you see every day on ESPN+. He is an incredibly good golfer, and he is also one of the most opinionated people I've ever come across in my entire life, and if only in an effort to keep him from constantly calling and texting me with his sports opinions, I decided to unleash him upon you and put him on the air here and let him bring us his takes every single week here on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Taylor Twelman. Good morning, my man. How are we? All right, I am fine, and so let us go. Week one of this we thought was an enormous success, so let's try it again. What is our first take for today, Twelman? The conversation about the national anthem at sporting events is a polarizing one, Greeny, to say the least, but Mm -hmm. it's the wrong conversation. And follow me with this real quickly. Why do we play the national anthem before sporting events? We're the only country that has a policy for all of its domestic leagues to play the national anthem before events. It's diminishing the national anthem, and quite honestly, it's diminishing the meaning. We're also the same country that the winner of those leagues call themselves world champions, baseball, basketball, football. I think the arrogance and lack of perspective sometimes in our country gets in our own way, and before everyone listening loses their minds, I'm going to leave this thought with you. The same people who criticize Colin Kaepernick for disrespecting the anthem are the same people in that said stadium and arena who were laughing, chugging beers, looking at their phones, using the restroom during the anthem. What are we doing? It is an interesting one. Let's stop on that one for a second here, because you're correct. It has now become such a political topic that, and and the reason this is in, in the news right now, among others, is that Mark Cuban and the Mavericks were not playing it before games for some period of time, and the league stepped in yesterday and said, no, no, we're going to play the anthem before all of the games. I went back and looked it up to make sure that I had this right. It's what I thought. This really became a tradition across the country in earnest during World War II, during Mm -hmm. a time when our nation was at war and in an international war, they were playing the anthem before games in a patriotic moment and at a time that is obviously very different from this one, when everyone is unified in the interest of winning a war as opposed to now when our country feels so divided and split up and fragmented. Here's the issue, uh, because I get your... I get the, 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 the premise of your point, Taylor, I think is a good one, which is there isn't an obvious reason to play the national anthem before a sporting event, except that now to cease doing it at this moment when it has become 
the political hot potato that has become, I hate to use that phrase, but it's the only thing I could yeah. think of, when it has become what it has become, would I think be deemed as taking a side one way or the other in this in ways that people don't want? I guess what I mean is you're making an even bigger statement at this point not playing it than you would be playing it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. If it's a uniform policy, Greeny, everyone has to. I want to make that abundantly clear. Right. What I'm asking is, why do we do this? And when I interview foreign players, both in soccer, baseball, and now I'm even getting little wrinkles in basketball with agents and whatnot, when I ask about their experience within the domestic leagues in this country in any sport, the first thing that's brought up is, why do they play the anthem before the games? Mm. Because all of these athletes, Greeny, are playing for their country in other areas. So, for instance, Luka Doncic and Christos Porzingis are looking at it saying, well, wait a minute, we're not playing for the United States. We're playing for the Dallas Mavericks in the United States. And so it's just a conversation that I don't know that answer. However, I am on the, I, I am on the side. If it's uniform policy, you can't have the Dallas Mavericks not playing it and everyone else is. No. If it's policy, it is. Right. I'm just wondering, why is it policy? So you played all those years for the U.S. men's national team. You played all yes. these international matches. I, I would imagine that the experience of having the national anthem played when you are actually Unreal. representing your country is vastly different from the experience that we all now know to be the one, as you point out, in arenas and stadiums where there are many people, certainly not all, but many people who are not standing with their hands over their hearts and all the rest of that. I would imagine the experience of hearing that played when you are actually representing the United States is a different experience. Greeny, it's the one story I will tell my grandkids and great-grandkids about, is representing your country, wearing red, white, and blue, playing for something bigger than the name on the back of your jersey. When I played for anyone else, I never thought about the country I was playing for. Mm. I was thinking about the owner. When I played for the New England Revolution, I didn't think about the United States. I thought about Robert and Jonathan Kraft because they were the owners, and I needed to earn my paycheck and play for that club. It, it's an interesting question. It's not one that's going to be answered now, but it is. If I may just sort of to lighten the mood because you just brought it up, and I mentioned this the other day. When you have grandkids someday, what do you anticipate them calling you? What will your grandchildren call you? Oh, Greeny, I, I heard you say this, and I couldn't agree with you more. If they call me Grandpa, yeah. Grandpoppy, Poppy, Paul, Paul, whatever it may be, I'm yeah. out. I'm going to the golf course. Yeah, Like I, TT, I, I would love TT would be great, right? Yeah. Or something fun, but if they do that, I'm going to look in the mirror and just wonder, why am I doing this? Yes, my grandchildren are going to call me Greeny. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I want, I'm, I'm going to sit around going, oh, and we're going to go see, uh, we're going to go see Stacey and Greeny. I'm not sure if, I haven't asked Stacey her opinion on this. I'm not sure if she's going to be, grand, I, let me just say this. I've been married to the woman almost 25 years. She's not going to be grandma anything either. I'm just telling you right now. There's no way. Yeah, we're not going to be grandma that, and grandpa. Greeny. Right. I couldn't agree with you more. There's a, first off, you can't be anything else because you're still going to show your great-grandkids that you eat pizza and a sandwich with a knife and a fork. You can't be grandpa with that. Doesn't everyone? Okay. Uh, these are Taylor's takes. Let's move on to the next one here. That was take number one. What's take number two? Has the NBA and Commissioner Adam Silver lost the plot? We're now 12 months into a pandemic, Greeny, with real information on what works and what doesn't. And you want to bring in players for 29 different locations where they've been living in their bubble and out of that into some kind of all-star festivities for two or three days? Just use the Kevin Durant situation as a perfect example of how imperfect this is. And to top that off, Greeny, this is where I'm coming from. What I don't understand is how does Adam Silver – 
and the NBA Players Association not have this conversation when they were renegotiating that CBA before this season started. And if you remember, they had to extend it three times, 24 hours to get the deal done. Mm. It smells very fishy to me that all of a sudden the association is trying to pull a fast one on the players. And I just have a bad feeling this may backfire. So what he's talking about, for those who haven't been following this, is that the NBA wants to have an all-star game because I understand why they want to because this yep. it, it's something that the fans want. It's something that their, their broadcast partners are going to want at Turner. That's a very big deal for them. I totally get it. There's a lot of There are a lot of things involved in it, including money. And the players who are having a season unlike any other are basically saying, don't, I don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, it's hard enough to play all these games. Now we're doing this. And they released yesterday that they're going to try and do a three-point contest. They're going to do a slam dunk contest. They're trying to do it all in one day. Like do the dunk contest would be at halftime of the All-Star game. I kind of see both sides on this one, Taylor, to be honest with you. Like I understand why the NBA wants to do it. And But now I think they've boxed themselves into a corner because the players have been so vocal about not wanting to do it yes. that they've, they've put themselves in a very complicated situation. You, no one's going to be excited to watch a game that LeBron James has already said, I have no interest in playing in whatsoever. So I agree with you. Somewhere in the, in the communication between the two sides is where I think the problem lies. I get the league mm-hmm. saying we need this, and I totally understand the players saying we don't want to do this. They needed to sort of work that out behind closed doors rather than let it play out in the public way that it is. I get what, I get what you're saying. I think that is a tad unseemly. Okay. One more. Taylor's got three takes. What's number three today? Uh, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys may be <laughs> the most interesting story to me. And you know why? Because I think the Dallas Cowboys on purpose left them out of the video. Mm-hmm. They are the number one marketing machine in this country in sports. And if you want to convince me that they oh somehow just forgot how to put Dak Prescott in there, Greeny, no, they didn't. They did it on purpose. They knew exactly what they're doing. Why? Because on Get Up, when I've watched it every single day this week, what are you talking about? This is the most marketing uh, scheme, uh, most obvious marketing scheme tactic I've ever seen, and it works. It works every single time. Now, if I'm Dak Prescott, Greeny, because I know you're going to ask me, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't sign anything other than a franchise tender. You've gotten through the hardest part of this. You've earned it. Go follow Kirk Cousins' blueprint on how to make the most money you can, but don't ever try to convince me that the Cowboys somehow slipped and forgot Dak Prescott in the hype video. They knew exactly what they were doing. The part about him having done the hard part and not signing anything but the franchise tag is the part of that I agree with the most. I agree with all of it, but I agree with that part the most. Now everyone understands why I unleash Taylor Twelman on you once a week because he's got takes for days. And and by the way, I just got a note here. Uh, Tell me, I'm going to try this one on for size. Who sent this? This is from Pete McConville. Taylor's grandkids will call you Grand Cranium. (laughs) Are you good with that? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Greedy, it is an eight and a half. You see me with a golf hat on. I mean, birds land on it to just, you know, lay eggs and, uh, you know, have babies. So I, I get the I get the nickname. It does have a very large head. Taylor, thank you. <laughs> have a wonderful week. Again, Sports Nation every day here on ESPN Plus and doing a great job. And again, just the most opinionated person, as you can hear from that, that you'll ever come across. Taylor's takes. Taylor, thank you very much. All right, very quickly before we get to uh, who you got. This is a perfect opportunity for you to try some active listening. Unsolicited advice. My unsolicited advice is going to be for everyone today, and that's going to include Bubba. So, Bubba, I'm bringing you in because we're going to do who you got in a minute. But I'm going to start by giving you and everyone else this unsolicited advice. So listen up. In next year's Super Bowl, this is the advice. In next year's Super Bowl, take the under. 
The total in the Super Bowl has been 50 or higher 12 times in the history of the game, including Sunday. It has gone over twice. And one of those was only because the game went to overtime. And here's why. We consistently underestimate how much that two-week layoff disproportionately helps the defense. The team with the better scoring defense in the regular season has won the Super Bowl 70% of the time. The team that wins the Super Bowl is the one that plays defense. So for all these fancy offensive numbers that they're putting up in the National Football League, the old adage, defense wins championships, still applies. So next year, Bubba, we take the better defense and we take the under. How do you like it? I like it. I'm going to file that away. And I like it. Don't let me forget it. That's the problem, is that I will forget it. Next year, we'll come to next year, and Mahomes will be in this game again, and I'll pick 51-45, Kansas City. And I'm wrong every damn time. These games never go over. Again, twice in the entire history of the game, when the total was 50 or higher, has it gone over, and one of them was only because of overtime. All right, Bubba here, that means who you got. Life is a series of choices. Who you got? Make a decision. Say it! Say it! All right. I'll say it. Who you got? All right, Bubba. Uh, my disheveled board operator, Brendan Bubba Peregrine, has a series of questions for me, and I'll have to tell him who I've got, and we have a sponsor. Go ahead, Bubba. We sure do. It's who you got, and it's brought to you by Granger. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's start NFL draft. You can never have as much draft. Tom McShay's latest mock draft has quarterbacks going one, two, three, four in April's NFL draft. Originally tied to the Jets going with the offensive lineman Sewell. But now he's got quarterback Zach Wilson going to the Jets. Who do you think the Jets are taking? Who you got? So you're asking me who I think they are taking or yeah. who do I think who do they th- should take? Now, who do you think? Who do you think the Jets are going to take? I think there's no chance they take Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. I think they will do one of two things. They will either trade that pick or they will take Zach Wilson at number two. Let me, let me answer your question this way. Zach Wilson will be the second pick in the draft, the quarterback out of BYU. What I do not know is whether the Jets will make that pick or they'll trade that pick. The single biggest factor in that, of course, is Deshaun Watson. If they're able to get Deshaun Watson, one would assume the second pick in the draft is what's going to Houston, one of the things they'll have to give up. So it would be the Texans taking Zach Wilson at number two. If you're asking me what I hope happens, I hope they trade that pick and do not take the quarterback at number two. So if that answers your question, we can move on to the next one. Sure does. As of now, the DH is back to just the American League in baseball, but... Seven-inning doubleheaders return, as does the runner on second base to start extra innings, and the three-batter minimum for relievers. So who you got here, the old way or the post-pandemic way? I like the post-pandemic way. Um, I would like to see the universal DH, and that is something that has somehow become a bargaining chip between these two sides. What frustrates me the most about the relationship between ownership and, and the players in baseball is that what they do is they put things that are clearly in the best interest of the game on the table and they fight over them. Things that actually benefit both sides. Like the universal DH is not something that is to the... Neither side is giving on that. It's not bad for the owners. It's not bad for the players. It's good for everybody. But they can't agree on that. The owners are demanding the players give them something for that in the negotiation. It's so aggravating you could smash your head into a wall. But the answer to your question is... I like the seven-inning doubleheaders. I don't mind the runner on second base. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's hokey, 
but I don't mind it under these circumstances. I certainly would be in favor of the universal DH, and I liked having extra teams in the playoffs, and I think it was good for the sport, and that's another thing they can't figure out how to agree upon because all they want to do is fight. They're much more interested in fighting with each other than they are with doing things that are in the best interest of the sport, which sounds a little too much like some other parts of our society that I could that I will leave nameless here. But it, when it comes to baseball, I think it is really harming the sport. Greeny with uh, my hashtag Bubba Buddy doing who you got. What's our next question? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as an NL fan, I think it's going to go away at some point, but I actually prefer the split. I like not having a DH. In no, the, no, in no, the no, NL, no. But... Let me stop you. The era of, the, of, of having no DH mattering is long since over, okay? That mattered when a pitcher might be dealing in the seventh inning and he comes to the plate with second and third and two out and the manager has to make an important decision. The next time a pitcher is still in the game in the seventh inning, let me know. Yeah, no, it's fair. I still just find it more enjoyable. You know, it's 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 for us NL fans. What right? do you find more enjoyable? It's just you pitchers know. don't hit anyway. It's just a question oh, of whether you're bringing guys off your bench or not. Degrom, Syndergaard, the Mets, the Mets guys do. Anyways, but moving once on. through the order, maybe. But these guys, they, no one is pitching into the seventh inning. I've accepted it's going to go away. It's fine. Whatever. Fair enough. All right. Back Bubba, to the you're NFL. an old soul. Uh, that is true for sure. Back to the NFL, all seven teams finally have hired their head coaches, so who will have the most success in 2021? Will be the Jets, the Eagles, the Lions, Jaguars, Falcons, Chargers, or the Texans? Who you got? See, so it really depends on how you're gauging success. Like, the Jaguars went 1-15. in I think they will be much, much better this year with the quarterback who everybody loves and with Urban. But I don't think they'll have the best record of any of the teams you just named. So you need to be more specific in the question, Bubba. Which of those two things are you asking me? Yeah, so who will have the most success in 2021? What you did was you repeated the question without giving me the clarification that I require. If you ask me which of those teams is the best team, it's the Chargers. Yeah, who will have most success? It's not even close. Uh, The Chargers are by far the best team of that group. The Chargers, I think, are a playoff team next year. Um, They've got the superstar young quarterback. They have a ton of good players. Sounds like they'll have the most success then. They they will have the most success, but they will not not be the most improved, which is a different way of of measuring success. I didn't ask the most improved. Okay, fair enough. So, if that, is the, if that is what you mean by the question, I will say the Chargers will have the most success. And who you got for NFL MVP next season? Well, I'm going to have a little fun with this. I, I, I'm going to say that next year's NFL MVP is going to be one Matthew Stafford. Wow. Quarterback Los Angeles Rams. Because he, right. he is one of two things. He is either a good quarterback who's always been on terrible teams or he's a great quarterback who's always been on terrible teams. I'm betting he's the second one of those. I'm betting he's the latter. And I'm betting that you put him on a team that is coached by Sean McVay, and he is going to show you the truth of the matter, which is that Matthew Stafford is a great player. And they're going to win a ton of games. With that defense, they just need to stay healthy because they're going to be thin. And that's the big if. But if that team stays relatively healthy then I think the Rams are going to win something like 12 games next year. Stafford's going to put up monster numbers, and I will take him right now as my dark horse. Someone give me the odds on that. What odds could I get on Stafford as the MVP for next year? We might want to make a few shekels on this. Hembo, if you're listening, send me that. So I, I like that one, but my pick is Stafford. All right, one more NFL. Both Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz are potentially on the move this offseason. Which team will regret trading away their quarterback more? Will it be the Jets or the Eagles? Who you got? Well, 
I mean, I don't think either one is going to regret trading away their quarterback, to be honest with you, because the Jets are going to be making a move in a different direction. I don't think the Eagles... Who's going to regret their trade more? I think I will say the Eagles, because I'm not convinced, as much as I was impressed with what we saw, that Jalen Hurts is a long-term answer there. And I do believe that if Wentz winds up in Indianapolis which is where he should go, I think he has a chance to play great. And I think it'll look bad that they traded him away and he played great, even though I think it's the right thing to do. So that's the way I'm going to define regret for the purposes of this conversation, and I will take that one. Greeny and Bubba with who you got. We got time for another one or two, and I know you have some that are not sports in there, so let's have some fun. All right, let's do a non-sports one. 23 years ago today, the original handwritten lyrics to Elton John's Candle in the Wind, written by his songwriter partner, Bernie Taupin, were sold for over $300,000. If you could choose any song, what's the one song you'd want to have the original handwritten lyrics to? Who you got? Such a great question. So what you're really asking is, what is the song that means the most to you in your life? And I can narrow it down to two artists for sure. It would either be something written by Paul Simon or something written by the Beatles. And I think, I, I, I saw this question earlier, so I've been giving it some thought. I think I would choose the song In My Life, written by John Lennon. That's a good one. The Beatles song In My Life. In my life, of all these friends and lovers, there's no one that compares to you. I, every time I hear that song, I am, and I listen to the Beatles channel on Sirius all the time. I love that Great channel. Great channel. Every time I hear that song, I am obliterated at how brilliant and beautiful I think it is. So that's my choice. Bubba, do the read. Who you got? Brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is always there to help. Call clickgranger.com/safety or just stop by. That's who you got with Bubba. I really like that feature and I like that question and I love that song. There'll be a lot of options. That'll be a lot of fun. But if 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 ultimately what that means is what is the most meaningful song you can think of, I think that's the one that jumps to mind. Thanks you for hanging out with me today. It's been a lot of fun. I'll see you tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.